talk to you about the difference between the word sympathy and empathy. This is a word that I shared last night, actually, in our prayer meeting. And um, I think oftentimes we can use words interchangeably that we don't use correctly. For example, you might be, you know, you might write something online or through a text. I, I think one of the sickest burns is when somebody tries to come at you and uses the wrong word, your, and you just respond with the correct grammatical aspect of it. It's like, you mean your, and it's like, dang, sick burn, bro, right? And so there's words that we use that are used incorrectly, uh, there, 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 your, 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 or like I mentioned last night, the word effect versus the word effect. I don't know the difference. I use them interchangeably, whichever one I feel like using at that time. I know one is correct and one's incorrect, but I don't know the difference. And quite honestly, I don't bother to look it up. But one of the other words that we often use interchangeably is empathy and sympathy. And I love that video that I just showed, and if you're watching online or you're watching this later, I highly recommend you look up that video on empathy, sympathy. Maybe I can tag it on our Facebook a little bit later. But empathy uh, is basically, the difference between empathy and sympathy really has to do with emotion, right? Empathy means experiencing someone else's feelings. It comes from a German word that means feeling into. It requires an emotional component of really feeling what the other person is feeling. Sympathy, on the other hand, means understanding someone else's suffering. It's more in your head than it is in your heart. So if I have sympathy, I'm like, man, that sucks. But I have no idea how that feels. I don't, I'm not able to connect with that emotion. I'm not able to relate with you. And so just up here, I get, I understand that must be terrible, but there's nothing going on in here. So if I could say it like this, sympathy is in your head while empathy is in your heart. Sympathy is a level of understanding, but empathy gives you a level of not just understanding, but literally feeling with that person to the point where it causes you to want to do something about it. There's a social psychologist who was actually the voice on that little cartoon that we were watching. Her name is Brianne Brown, and she said it like this. Empathy drives connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy drives connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. And I think as a teenager, one of your biggest struggles is feeling like nobody gets it. Nobody understands, nobody's willing to understand, and because of that, nobody cares, particularly when it comes to adults, maybe parents, maybe even leaders, maybe me. There's this feeling where you're like, well, you just don't get it. And it's not always that we don't get it, it's just that we're getting it up here and we're not getting it right here. And I just think it's important for you and I to understand that if we're going to build relationships with people, if we're going to win the loss for the Lord, it's not always going to be through theological debates. Oftentimes, it's going to be through heart connections. It's being able to love somebody on a level that helps them understand, hey, listen, I may not fully get, I maybe didn't go through what you've gone through, but I understand your pain because I've had my own to deal with. I look at the Bible, and, and to me, Jesus is the perfect example of an empathetic leader, of someone who feels with people, not just for people. And if you have your Bibles, there's a story in the book of John, in John chapter 8. The Bible tells us that Jesus is sitting around and he's talking to this crowd of people very similar to what I'm doing with you. And then all of a sudden, this group of religious leaders who, who had it out for Jesus and are trying to trap him, uh, they show up on the scene. And if you look at verse 3, listen to what goes on in this story. It says, as he was speaking... The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. 
Adultery means uh, sleeping with someone who you are not married to. So someone who's married to somebody else. So either this woman was married or the man that she was sleeping with was married. And she got caught sleeping with somebody that's not her husband. Okay? It says, they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. If you look at the Old Testament, they had a lot of laws that were established in order to maintain their society. And the rule back in that day said, if someone was caught in the act of adultery, they would bring her before the people and stone her to death, which means literally grabbing a bunch of rocks and throwing it at this person until they died. And so here they bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery before Jesus, and they're like, hey, listen, the law says that we're supposed to stone her, so what do you say? They were trying to trap him (coughs) into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's a powerful story of what it means to have empathy, but it's also a great story of what it means to not have empathy. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down because I think this is so crucial for you and I to grow into. The first thing you want to understand is that empathy doesn't expose. Empathy is not trying to expose people in their worst moments and in their worst sins. If you visualize what's going on with this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, if she's caught in the actual act of sleeping with someone who's not her husband, it's probably right to say that she was brought out naked. And so imagine you get caught sleeping with someone that you're not married to, and then they drag you out naked and they throw you in front of a crowd. Now, this crowd wasn't a crowd of strangers. This was in a town where probably most of their people lived, grew, and died in that same town. This is their community. So she probably got thrown in the middle of a crowd that consisted of friends she grew up with, that consisted of family members, relatives that she knew that she was close with, neighbors, people that she had a relationship with. And so it would be the same idea if you got caught in the worst moment of your life and then we brought you here and stood you in front of everybody in your worst moment, naked and embarrassed in front of everyone and said, look, let's judge her. This is what's going on with this woman. And it was all to expose what had happened. As believers, man, we're not called to do that. The problem is culturally, we love to expose things. Culturally speaking, we want to cancel anything that that goes. If we can find it, and you see it all the time, right? They'll find a celebrity that they don't like. They'll dig into their Twitter history. They'll find something they said when they were 15 years old. They'll expose it and then say, hey, everybody, let's cancel this person. We're all about exposing, right? That's what the whole World Star video is all about. It's about exposing people, exposing Karens, exposing male Karens. Like, it's, if you look at your Explore page on Instagram or you scroll through TikTok, nine times out of ten, you're watching somebody trying to expose somebody else. And so what we're doing when we expose somebody in their worst moment is we're highlighting this moment, this momentary uh, aspect, and we're making it look like this is their entire life. 
and we're judging people on their worst moment. And empathy doesn't do that. Because empathy understands I've had some bad moments in my life. And I wouldn't want to be exposed the way I'm trying to expose this person. I've made mistakes. I've had issues. It's the ability to connect with somebody else and understanding. Maybe I didn't do what you did, but I've been where you've been. And I wouldn't want somebody exposing me. I wouldn't want somebody calling me out, embarrassing me in front of everybody. It would be like if you sin, and in the middle of my sermon, I'm like, hey, did you guys hear what Sal did? Let me tell y'all what Sal did. That wouldn't be love. As a matter of fact, if I were Sal, I would never walk through these doors again because I exposed him. Now, I'll be honest with you. There have been some times as a pastor where people will say things about me or talk about me or, or say other things, and I can justify myself by telling the truth. And listen, we've all been there, right? When somebody talks about you in your mind and in your heart, you're like, oh, you want to know the tea? You want to know what really happened? Because I'll expose them fully right now. But I've learned a long time ago that that might justify me and that might make me look good in that moment, but it doesn't honor God. I'm not going to sit here and expose somebody else. I'm going to let God deal with that. And I'm going to choose to be honorable. I'm going to choose to live righteously. I'm not going to stoop down to other people just because they poked at my insecurity. I'm going to rise above that. Be careful about sitting there and exposing somebody just because they sinned differently than you did. Talking about somebody just because they messed up and they had a momentary issue. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, most important of all, right? I love that. It's, it's highlighting this one point. Well, what's the point? Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, there is a difference between covering sin and covering up sin. I'm not saying we hide things. I'm not saying that if Sal did something really messed up, I'm like, hey, listen, we can't tell anybody about this because we'll all get in trouble, and so you got to be real quiet. Don't ever say anything. I've told the leaders, and they know this immediately. If you do anything inappropriately to the point where it's even illegal, I will call the cops on you. I have no problem getting the proper authorities because that is your issue and we got to deal with that. So I'm not saying we hide sin in that way. But covering sin says, listen, we're going to love this person through this process. Even if they have to deal with the consequences, we're still going to love them through the process. We're not going to hang them out to dry. We're not going to expose them. We're not going to banish them and turn our back on them. And think about how often this happens in everyday culture, in school, in churches, where somebody messes up, it gets out there, and all of a sudden everybody turns their back on them. And you lose your friends, and nobody wants to talk to you, and nobody wants to hang with you. Everybody's judging you. Everybody's saying stuff about you. I'm saying this because that's not how God's church is supposed to be. We're supposed to love people through their issues, through their struggles. Why? Because someone loved us through our issues and through our struggles. Because God loves us through our issues and through our struggles. And so I'm not here to highlight your particular sin and to say, look what Jocelyn did. Look what Samantha did. Watch, did you guys see? Did you hear about what happened to so-and-so and, and what Aaron was doing when nobody was looking? I'm not here to expose people's sins. As a matter of fact, there's been plenty of things that you guys know between you and I, we know what's happened. I didn't call you out. I didn't put it on blast. Some of you now, let's be honest, some of you think, yeah, but you preached about it in a sermon. Nah, man, that's you and the Holy Spirit. Because there's so many times we're like, Pastor Joy, was that sermon about me? No, but it was probably for you. <laughs> 
It makes me laugh how many people are like, you wrote that about me, right? Yeah, like I'm sitting there going, oh, this is all. I'm going to get back at Valerie today, boy. This sermon, yeah, I'm going to expose her. No, because my responsibility isn't to expose. The Holy Spirit might. The Bible does say what's done in darkness will be brought to light. The thing is, I'm not the one that brings it to light. God does. I'm not the one that's exposing it so that I can trip you up. I want to love you through your mess. And my hope is that we can love each other through our messes that we can hug each other through our messes. In the Bible, there's a story of, of a prodigal son, uh, this story of a young man who, who really messed up and he took his inheritance and he went out into the world and he lived a wild life and he did all types of really, really inappropriate things to the point where if he were to come back to the town, the town, but according to the law, would not accept him. And the Bible says that when he was at his lowest point, he finally comes back to his town and his father is standing outside and he sees him coming in. And the Bible says that even while he was still a long way off, the father ran to him and embraced him. And when he embraced him, he threw his coat on him and he put a special ring on his finger. What the father was doing was saying, y'all can't touch him, he's my son. I'm covering his sin. I know what he did, you know what he did, but we're not gonna hold it against him because we're bringing him back into the family. I'm restoring his sonship into the family. And so I'm gonna put my coat on him and I'm gonna cover a multitude of sins. Listen, there's gonna be seasons, if you haven't seen it already, where somebody who was serving God might mess up, might walk away, and if we're lucky, they may end up one day walking back into this room. And are they gonna experience you covering emotes to their sins, hugging them, loving them, saying, I'm so glad you're back? Or are they going to walk in the room and you're going to side-eye them and go, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what they've been doing while they were gone? I want us to be the kind of church that covers a multitude of sins, not exposes it. Because you may not be there now, but God forbid, if you ever are, you're going to want to receive that same amount of grace and mercy. Amen? Number two, as I was reading through this story, is empathy loves people, not points. It says that they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something. Think about this. They were using this woman to make a point because it wasn't about the adultery. If it was about the adultery, why wasn't the man there? Why was it just the woman, right? Adultery, as far as I understood in my biology class, takes two people, <laughs> And for whatever reason, there's one person. Well, I think that reason is they didn't care about the adultery. They cared about making a point. And they didn't care who they hurt in the process of making that point. You and I as believers, you got to understand that we want to win people, not points. And so sometimes in the process of, winning, of making an argument, we might win the argument, but we lose the person. And I'm saying this because a lot of times, especially online, you see people that are like, yeah, I preached the gospel. I told them that they were going to hell, and I told them that they were sinning. And that might sound good on the outside, and that's great. But did you win them, or did you win your argument? Because what's the goal? The goal for me is not to win the argument. It's to win the person. I want to win them for Jesus. I want to make a connection. I want to relate with them. Obviously, I'm going to expose sin to a certain extent. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, that's not true. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to do it in love. And so we have to be careful because if it was about the restoration of this woman caught in adultery, they would have managed that differently, but it wasn't about her. And so often, we hurt people in the process of making points. 
We need to be careful and we need to be transparent. We need to be loving and empathize with people. I'm not condoning sin, but why are they sinning? Why are they where they're at? Can we empathize with that situation? Well, you know, this, this girl, she just sleeps around with everybody, or this guy is sleeping around with everybody, and they're just sucio. Okay, well, why do they do that? You ever stop to ask yourself that question? Do you ever wonder if maybe they were abused at a young age, and that's how they express love? Do you ever wonder if they're self-destructive, and that's a way of hurting themselves? Do you ever wonder if they just don't care? And you're just doing what they want to do because they have no fear of consequences. I mean, there's always an underlying aspect to things. And so our job is not to make a point, it's to make a difference. It's to love people in empathy through their situation. Listen, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 says this. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And so you might think you're standing up for Christ by calling out certain situations, but your motives are being weighed by God. Why are you doing that? What's the purpose behind what you're doing? I remember as a young man, when I really got on fire for God, uh, I would challenge people. I would get into it with people because I love God and I felt this aggression towards somebody who was being aggressive towards God. And so I would, I would embarrass them, man. I'd treat their lives. I'd be like, yeah, you don't know this, and you don't know, bah, 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 bah. And I hit them with all these points, and they'd look stupid, and I'd walk away like, yeah, I got them. I got them, but I never won them. And so I won a lot of arguments, but I lost a lot of people. Until I learned to just have empathy for people. Just love people. Well, why do you feel that way? Well, why do you hate God? It's interesting, because hate is at least an emotion, so tell me why you feel that way. And I would have these better conversations with people. And instead of trying to make a point, I worked on making a difference. Listen, God wants to use you to do that. God wants to help you to connect with people through that empathetic thing. But be careful about challenging people just to challenge them. I love this quote from that same psychologist that I talked about earlier. It says, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is a connection. It's like the other old saying, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. If you're sitting there like, I invited them to church, they didn't want to come. Okay, but is that the extent of your relationship? You never actually built a closeness with them? That you never talked with them through what's going on in their life? Like if, if you think evangelism is just randomly going up to somebody and inviting them to church, then you've misunderstood there's a connection that can be made, even if it's a quick one. There's a connection that can be made on a heart-to-heart -heart level that then opens the door to all the other things God wants to do. If you're taking notes, the third thing I think we need to understand is empathy has an ability to understand that empathy has been where you've been. The Bible tells us that Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust. Now, the Bible isn't clear specifically on what Jesus wrote. But I like to imagine this, and this is just from the book of Pastor Joey, chapter 6. I like to think that when he went down, he started writing out or maybe even drawing pictures of some of their worst sins. I think he started to, to write it out like maybe like a date, like June 17th, 300 B.C. I don't know, just randomly so. And he just starts writing stuff. You remember this date? Stuff that they would get. And he's starting to expose them ever so slightly because he says, hey, well, whoever hasn't sinned, you can cast the first stone. And as they're seeing their own sin, they understand, I have no right to stone this person. 
And it's interesting that the Bible says they started to walk away beginning with the oldest. Maybe he started with them. Maybe they had more sin because they've lived longer. But the point is that they started to walk away. You know, I think it's easier to have grace for people and to love people through their mess when you understand the mess that you've been in. When you get that I'm just as screwed up as anybody else, that I'm just as undeserving of God's love as anybody else. And listen, I get it. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Joy, I grew up in church. I've never done anything bad. Well, that's not true. You've, everyone's done something. Everyone's had a thought. Everyone's had a heart and, and messed up in some way, form, or other. And it may not be the same thing they've done, but the Bible is clear. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the ones who get that, the ones who understand the grace that they've been given are willing to give that same grace to other people. Even your parents. Sometimes we give our moms and dads a really hard time because they're our parents and we feel like, well, you should know better. You're a parent. But guess what? They're just people. They're people with histories that some of you don't even know about with baggage that they're never really gonna fully talk to you about. And they have issues and they have struggles and they have things that they've gone through. And if you were to approach them with love and grace and empathy rather than judgment and bitterness, maybe your relationship with your mom and dad would grow a little bit closer. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16 says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Paul talking, the apostle who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to blasphemy the name of Christ. It means he used to outwardly be against Christ. In my insolence, right, in other words, like really horrible behavior, I persecuted his people. The apostle Paul literally would hunt down Christians, have them incarcerated and killed. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Now this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience and even the, of, of great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Man, when you have a humble enough heart to remember and understand how undeserving you are of God's love and yet God loved you, when you have a humble heart. I love what Paul says. Paul literally wrote three-fourths of the Bible. Paul is probably the greatest evangelist we have ever seen in the history of Christianity, right? Paul is the man. And yet, Paul says this, I'm the worst of them all, sinners. Not I used to be the worst of them all. Not I was the worst of them all. I'm the worst of them all. Paul understands that I am still currently being saved by grace. And I'm not deserving of God's love, mercy, and adoration. When you're humble enough to get that, to receive that, you're graceful enough to hand that off to somebody else. So you don't judge people the same way because God didn't judge you that way. You don't hold people's sins against them because God didn't hold your sin against you. 
You learn to give the same love, grace, and mercy that God has given to you, and you freely offer it up to other people. As a pastor, there's plenty of times where I meet somebody, and when they find out I'm a pastor, they start to try to act a little differently. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, bro, I was cursing in front of you. I'm like, dude, it's fine. I'm not judging you. I don't think anything bad about you. I don't care. I remember one time there was a young lady. Her mom was actually, this is years ago, like 20, not 20, 12 years ago. And uh, her mom used to actually work at the church. And I asked her one time, I was like, hey, man, uh, how come you don't come to Excel? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, you should come this week. And she goes, well, you know I'm, I'm gay, right? I was like, uh-huh. You can still come to church, right? Like, it's not like a barrier that's stopping you from walking in. And she looked at me like, are you serious? I can still come? And I looked at her like, are you serious? Do you think you can't come? Because the Bible's clear. You can come as you are, right? It's okay to be who you are. It's just not always okay to stay that way if it's against God. But I'm not going to be the one to watch that and to guard that door. I let the Holy Spirit help you work with that. Because we all come in the door with all types of issues. And so I'm not going to sit here and judge somebody just because their sin is different than my sin. And you and I, we need to be the same. No matter how someone walks through the door, remember at one point or another, you walked through that door for the first time too. And God loved you and had mercy on you and gave grace to you. And you are still on that journey and you are still on that process and God is still having mercy for you. So who are we to make it harder for somebody else? Man, I don't want to be the obstacle for somebody getting closer to Christ. I want to be the step stool to helping them get closer to Christ. I want them to be able to stand on my shoulders and draw closer to Christ because I love them enough to help them get closer to Christ. Empathy is so incredibly powerful because it has nothing to do with ability. You don't have to be talented in anything to show empathy to somebody. You don't have to be a gifted speaker. You don't have to be ridiculously intelligent. You don't have to be, you know, a great athlete. You don't have to be anything to show empathy. You just got to love people. And you got to let them know that you love them. And so when somebody's going through something, and, and to the Christian who's really passionate, I love you for this, but you do understand that you don't always have to give somebody an answer for what they're going through, right? I think, listen, I'll tell you, that's the thing that God's been helping me with over the last several years. I've always felt early on, especially as a pastor, that if somebody comes to me with a question, I should have an answer. But you know, sometimes there's questions or there's comments that there really isn't an answer to. When somebody comes up to me, especially when I'm doing camps and there's these moments where some stuff comes out and they come up to me and they tell me that when they were five years old, somebody molested them, there's not a good answer to that. All I really say in those moments is, I'm so sorry. And then I just sit with them. And that's empathy. There's some times, and you, you, come on, guys, we've all been there, right? Where you're like, hey, I want to talk to you, but I don't need answers. I just want to, I just want to vent. I just want to talk with you. Actually, I don't even care that it's you. I just need somebody to talk to you. There's times where I call some people up. I'm like, hey, I'm going to take my pastor hat off for a moment, and I'm going to say stuff that I probably don't really mean, but I'm really feeling, and I just want to process what I'm going through. And I love the men and women of my life that just sit in there with me and they give me a hug and they go, Joey, I love you. It helps us from putting on these facades and these fake aspects and pretending like we got it all together when in reality, nobody has it all together. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out, one more thing I need you to understand is that empathy loves, it doesn't condemn. 
That word condemn means, hey, I'm throwing you in. There's no hope for you. Get out of my face. Notice that Jesus responds to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And neither do I. Oftentimes, we make final judgment calls on people where they messed up and they screwed up and now this is our opinion of that person. But empathy loves, it doesn't condemn. Listen, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is talking about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love this picture of Jesus. Is that he's not some high and lofty God that doesn't care and doesn't understand and doesn't know what you're going through and what you're feeling. Quite the opposite. The Bible says that he's been tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows the pain that you're feeling. And again, some of us might say, well, how? Well, remember, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So he had all the same physical temptations that anybody else would have. But on top of that, and you've heard me say this a number of times, the Bible is clear that while he was on the cross, he bore the sin of humanity which means all the horrible things we've ever done and every human's ever done in the history of all of humanity before and after, God felt in that moment. So he knows what it feels like to be abused. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it feels like to be hurt. Even in that one day, he was battered and bruised. He was forced to crawl through the streets holding a cross naked. He was spit on by the very people he was willing to give his life to save. He gets it, man, better than anybody else could ever get it. And the Bible says that he empathizes with us. And because of that, we can easily go to God. I think that's the power of empathy. It's the ability to connect with somebody through shared pain. Some of you, you've probably asked God or, or you've asked yourself why God would allow you to go through some of the things that you've gone through. And what I believe and what I hope is that anything difficult and challenging that I've gone through, it, God is able to use that pain for purpose. And he's able to, to help me because here's how I look at it. Sometimes people will only hear it from someone who's gone through it. So when you've gone through a situation, and trust me, leaders in this room, you know this, at some point in your life, you're going to come across someone who's going through the same thing you went through. It might be an abuse. It might be a betrayal. It might be a, something where you failed in or you really screwed up or whatever the case is. It's something that was horrible in the moment, but God got you through it. And then God's going to bring somebody into your life who is experiencing or has experienced the same thing that you did or similar. And there's going to be this powerful connection between you two through shared pain. 
And in that shared pain, you can offer that shared hope in Christ because you found a way out through Jesus and they're still looking for a way out on their own. We have a great and high priest who can empathize with us and bring us through our situation and then he can connect the train to help you bring others through their situation. That's the beauty and the power of empathy. It's a connection that very few people can have unless they're intentional about getting down and dirty with people. Loving them in their mess and loving them out of their mess. So I want to pray tonight that God would truly help us be empathetic. That anyone who walks through these doors would experience not judgment, not side eyes, not ugh, but would experience love and empathy. Would feel like, man, I just feel like this is a place of love and family. And we need God's help to do that, beginning with me. But before I do, I'm going to ask you to stand real quick. And just do me a favor, bow your head, close your eyes. I just want to talk to your heart for a moment. Because I wonder, are you here tonight and you're in need of some empathy? You're going through something right now. Maybe people don't understand what it is that you're going through. Maybe people don't even know what it is that you're going through. And it doesn't even have to be sin. It could just be a really difficult time. It could be a stressful time. It could be a challenging time. It could be a scary time, a time of uncertainty. And I'm not offering you answers today, but I am willing to give you empathy to love you through this, to put a hand on you and say, man, I can't imagine what you're going through, but I'm so grateful that you're honest about it and I believe God can help you get through this. And again, even if it's just one of you, I do think it's important to take the time to show that one person empathy because you're worth it. So at every head bow, every eye closed, no looking around, this is between you and the Lord. If you're in this place and you're just, man, you're struggling. It could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be just thoughts that you're battling with, whatever, man, you know what you're going through. And you just need some love and empathy tonight. You just need to know that people care, and more importantly, that God does. Would you just signal me by lifting up your hand real quick, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor. If you lifted up your hand, would you join me up here? Just right up here. This is nothing to be embarrassed about. This isn't calling you out or even exposing you. It's just being honest and transparent because we all have been or are going to be in this same scenario. And the reason I want you to come up is because the Bible is clear. It's because God is so empathetic that we can boldly go before the throne of grace and ask and will receive. And God will give us the mercy and the strength to get through whatever it is that we need to get through. So I'm going to ask, if I can have some of our male leaders, some of our female leaders, would you come over here and just lay hands on their back? And we're just going to pray for you, guys with guys, girls with girls. Leaders, if you need a prayer, please, would you just lift your hand and let them pray over you? There's nothing embarrassing about that. There's no struggle with it. 
Come on, would you just begin to pray over them? Students, if, if you're in a good place, would you just extend your hand towards those that are up here and help us pray and believe God for that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Allie, can you help me over here? Thank you, Father. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Carol, can you help me out over here? I've got a young lady here I'd like you to pray over. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your mercy and your grace. I'm grateful for your love, God. I'm grateful for the heart that you have for your people. God, thank you that you don't cast us aside. Thank you that you don't dismiss us because we're struggling and because we're hurting. God, I'm so grateful that you love us despite our pain, despite our issues, despite what's going on. And Lord, I just believe that there is purpose in pain, that what the enemy tried to use to hurt us, you would use it for your honor, for your glory, that we might be able to save the lives of many. So Lord, I just pray, let your loving hand come upon every one of these people. That the Spirit of God would just permeate through their heart right now, God. That they would experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. That your presence would fall in a real and tangible way. God, I thank you that they had enough boldness and confidence to admit that I'm not doing great. That I'm needing you tonight, God. And so Lord, I pray, may your presence strengthen them. May your presence embolden them. May your presence encourage them. Fill them once again, almighty king. Lord, I'm so grateful that you're not judgmental, but you're empathetic. Because you get what we're going through, God. You've been where we're at. And you can bring us to where you want us to be. So, Father, I just pray, may your presence lay over each and every one of these individuals. Father God, may your spirit rest on them and guide them. And Lord, I just pray that at some point in the future, they will be able to lay hands on someone else, embrace someone else, and walk them through the same thing you were able to walk them through. So Father, we thank you for all this. And Lord, in that same way, I pray for every person in this room. Help us to be empathetic, God. Help us with our judgmental attitudes and thinking. Help us, Lord, to not look down on somebody because they sin differently or they have a different background than we do. God, help us to love them the same way you love that woman caught in adultery. God, she was guilty. She did the act, and yet you didn't hold that against her, Lord. You didn't condemn her. You loved her, and you called her to a life not of sin, but of purpose. So, Lord, help us to be in that same way, to love people so that as people walk through this door, they wouldn't find judgment and hate, but love and home. That it would all be done because it's your purpose in your heart. So we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said, amen. amen. Hey, listen, tonight as we dismiss, if you wanna talk about what you're going through, or maybe you didn't even respond up here, but you just, hey, I, I just wanna share, I'm really struggling with some stuff. And again, we're not offering you answers, we're just offering you an ear just want you to know that you're not alone in this situation. The whole point of church 
is that we're together going in the same direction pursuing God. And so we're gonna be here for one another to lift each other up. And I just wanna encourage you, if you wanna have that conversation, the leaders are available, I'm available. We'd love to hear you and just sit with you for a few minutes and let you talk to us, amen? Uh, If you're going to camp, can you please make sure that you pick up a form? And then the last thing, because so many of us are gonna be gone next week, we will not have Excel service in person next week. So we'll post about that in case somebody's not here. But just a reminder, there's no Excel next Thursday. So if you show up, uh, the doors will be locked. And so uh, just make sure that you kind of keep an eye out for that. But just a reminder, no Excel. We'll be back the following week. Amen? Love you guys. God bless you. And we will see you tomorrow, weather permitting. Have a good one.